WrestlePlug 444 Life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in. The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE. It's like ordering a, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke. You absolute moldy cheese fucking baby bell dairy lead dunker shit. What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land. Everyone got their shit in. Everyone got each other over. Everyone looked good and made the industry look great. People need to fucking back the fuck off Ronda Rousey. New to oh. wrestling talent. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the WrestlePlug Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Aaron Nix. This is the State of Wrestling Address. Every week, I sit down, normally with the same co-host, to discuss the week's wrestling topics, whether they be good, whether they be bad. And we give you an honest opinion. We are one of the very few podcasts left that don't just sugarcoat shit and give you social justice nonsense because it makes you feel better about the world. We tackle things head on. We give honest opinions. We consider ourselves to be good people, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to give you hot takes and dangerous opinions of our own. Joining me for the State of Wrestling Address, as always, is Canada's favourite cleaner. Yes, indeed. I mean, no one could really take up that mantle better than this man. He's got twice as much spunk as Kenny Omega and twice as much insulin. It's Kyle Wilkinson. Uh, He could never stand up to my diabetes. Yeah, yeah. Hit him with the old diabetes trigger. The D-trigger. Yeah, right to the fucking pancreas. He'll never see it coming. Yeah, fucking have some of that. As always, Carl Wilkinson has a shit mic, ladies and gentlemen, so I apologize, but I can't be bothered to edit it because it's going to be an absolute whopper of a podcast. So we'll try and clear out as much sound as we can, uh, noise and whatnot. But overall, yeah, hopefully it will not deter from your listening pleasure too much. And we start with some pretty miserable topics, ladies and gentlemen. So if you don't want to be depressed, maybe fast forward 15 minutes. But if you can handle a little bit of reality, because ultimately this shit isn't going to go away just because some of you want it to or you hide underneath your duvets at night. Um, here we go. Alberto Del Rio. It's kind of funny at this point. So Alberto Del Rio, everyone will know as the former WWE champion and arguably the most unhinged individual in the history of Mexico. And that is something from a country that is heaving with the cartel. Uh, Courtesy of WrestlingInc.com, Alberto Del Rio, the former WWE champion, was indicted on Thursday by a grand jury in San Antonio, Texas, on charges of aggravated kidnapping, according to a report on PWE, PWI excuse me, Insider. Uh, as reported back in May, Del Rio was arrested and subsequently charged with a second-degree sexual assault felony and aggravated kidnapping. Although Thursday's court order lists the primary charge as aggravated kidnapping, it is unclear if the sexual assault charge resulted in an indictment as well. The report added that a trial date is yet to be set. Del Rio, who has been out on a $50,000 bond, is slated to be arraigned on Friday as per court records. Del Rio was arrested on May Uh, May 5th, 2020, after the victim approached local authorities in San Antonio and stated that a professional wrestler allegedly grew enraged with her after her 
After accusing her of infidelity, she also alleged that Del Rio physically assaulted her. The victim has also alleged that Del Rio slapped her across the head several times and forced her to wear a dress and dance for him after she would not admit to the infidelity. Furthermore, Del Rio allegedly threatened to take the victim's son and drop him in the middle of the road somewhere. The Fox affiliate in San Antonio also provided additional details, which noted that Del Rio allegedly tied the woman's hands with boxing straps, put a sock in her mouth, and sexually assaulted her for several hours using various objects. Uh, my apologies, ladies and gentlemen. There are trigger warnings here. A bit late now, I suppose, but, you know, um, you were warned, I suppose, you know, sexual assault kidnapping-wise. Um, but this just... You know, this is the way it is, I'm afraid. Uh, in the state of Texas, a conviction for aggravated kidnapping, if punishable in the first degree, could lead to a jail sentence ranging from five to 99 years or life imprisonment and or a fine of up to $10,000, which seems highly redundant um, next to everything else. However, if the accused is convicted of aggravated kidnapping in a second degree, they could face anywhere from two to 20 years in prison and or a fine up to $10,000. There will be more updates as they come. So Del Rio asked, unfortunately is a gigantic piece of shit we already knew this but it just seems like it just goes from bad to worse um hard to form a genuine opinion on this but uh your thoughts on del rio essentially being a raging criminal at this point allegedly i mean i think it's already been relatively common knowledge hasn't it like his history with page was very uh spotted Mm. we'll call it that um, like just his conduct he's had in every wrestling promotion he's ever been in, from what I hear, hasn't been fantastic. And now he's been indicted on aggravated kidnapping. That's pretty much almost like a guaranteed conviction. That was kind of an oxymoron of a statement. But you're already indicted. You've already got like a jail sentence coming towards you. It's been all but proven. So... I don't know if this guy has some sort of mental issues that he needs some serious help with. And even if he is a deranged maniac, I do hope he gets the help he needs. I would wish that up for anyone. But like, if, if it's not possible to help him, he needs to be locked up where he won't be a danger to society anymore. This is actually mad. Yeah, if these, uh, these allegations do end up being fortified in a court of law and pursued properly and you know he is convicted this just speaks once again to this mentality that wrestlers seem to have there's this real um shall we say alarming undercurrent of behavior that we're getting from people uh for me just this uh, this amazing kind of stunning sequence of events where we're realizing that overall male wrestlers generally are falling into a pretty bad bracket you know there isn't a great deal of people right now that we can look to as you know good people i'm sure there's probably still a lot more good than there is bad in this industry but as we know from the life that we live in the society that we live in and the way that media portrays things the bad is always reported the good isn't because ultimately bad shit and maybe we're even guilty of it in what we're doing right now you know, bad news, bad shit, bad, just bad in general makes for better headlines. You know, it, it creates a more emotive response than happiness. And that's a bit of a shame. Um, and don't worry, we've got plenty of happy stuff to talk about. And we're going to cover the week's wrestling events as well. But 
at this point, it's hard to kind of ignore this stuff. And obviously, I don't want to speak too much on allegations for legal litigation matters and stuff like that. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend just because I'm a man with a podcast that I don't have a duty and a right to speak on these issues and also just kind of call for a semblance of decency and respect from the rest of the business. I'm kind of tired of this. And it's not just sexual assault. Uh, you know, it's bullying, it's hazing, it's intimidation, it's extortion, fraud. There are so many issues within wrestling. And a lot of the fans themselves who are now out there giving it the whole social justice push who aren't really doing anything, but they want to get their social media cred because that'll make them look cool in front of their female friends and fans. They have turned a blind eye to this as well and have most likely seen something. We're all guilty of it. And now we all need to fucking do better. And we can start, you know, by creating a proper culture. It's no good eliminating what we can see or what has come out. That doesn't eliminate a culture. It's a good start, no question. It's not a bad thing, but at the same time, it's a culture. It is embedded in the way that wrestling and its business is handled. And if we don't completely eviscerate it, let, let, let me put it in a simple analogy for you guys. If this was an infestation, it's no good just burning the ants that are running around on the floor. It's no good squashing the insects that you can see. You need to find the nest. You need to destroy that nest. Otherwise, it will keep happening. Things will keep spreading. Doesn't matter. You know, that's just the way it is. And if we don't literally rip out the entire root of what is the evil and replace it and replant with good, wholesome and professional behavior, this will not go away and it will not go away for a long time. And the longer that it takes for us to acknowledge that we need to completely tear it all the way down from the root up, uh, the longer that wrestling is going to take a hit, especially independent wrestling and particularly British independent wrestling, which seems to be right in the middle of this storm because the longer it takes, the more people get jaded, disenfranchised, disappointed. And even if there are incredible women who are showing amazing strength and rising up through this issue, people are not going to trust this. Not only as a business, but as an entertainment format. And I know so many people, people who are close to me, who have said to me, yeah, I, I don't bother watching wrestling now. I'm disenchanted with it. I, I'm not interested. I'm disenfranchised with the whole idea of wrestling. I would rather do something else with my time because I've spent a large proportion of my adult life supporting what is essentially a large amount of very disgusting and evil human beings. It is what it is. Unfortunately, this isn't an isolated incident. As you know, uh, Joey Ryan has made the rounds once again. He just will not go away. So some of you may have heard that Joey Ryan has recently found God which is lucky, I suppose, for him, because it seems like he doesn't have any other friends. Uh, this is from Ringside News. Jerry Ryan was called out during the Speaking Out movement by multiple individuals. He was released from Impact Wrestling and lost a ton of work. Now he is taking three women to court who were a part of those allegations. Joey Ryan has denied all allegations against him. He released a lengthy video explaining these accusations in detail, and you can see this via YouTube if you have a large amount of time on your hands. Um, to be honest, I've seen a lot of people saying, don't watch it. I, I think that's ridiculous. I think for context, you have to watch stuff like this. It's evidence. Whether you like it or not, whether it makes you uncomfortable or not, the reality is that if you watch that, you'll have a more 
a more educated understanding of the whole surroundings. You can't just bury your fucking heads in the sand. You need to understand what the enemy is doing. If he is the enemy that he is alleged to be. Uh, Ryan is uh, claiming that the speaking out allegations cause damage to his reputation and livelihood as he claims the accusations are false. Ryan is also claiming that he lost upwards of $20,000 in monthly income from his bookings, merchandise sales and other streaming ventures on Twitch. He also lost out on Cameo and Patreon money. Um, I won't bore you with the you know long-winded stuff and all the uh, details, but simply put, Joey Ryan is vehemently denying anything that has been levied towards him and is going as far as to sue people for a multitude of money. Um, I believe the award plaintiff damages would be somewhere in the region of 5 million to 10 million is overall what he's looking to get from this. Um, either way, a large sum of money. How does this sit with you? I mean, su- suing the victims Come on, bro. Like, the, it's so hard to form an articulate opinion on this for me just because it's just, it's so insane. These women have allegedly, because there is still not a whole, I, I don't know, was, was there proof for Joey Ryan or was that just dream? I don't know. It doesn't really matter at this point. The point is... Um, I mean, there's a lot of screenshots of things like that, but then Joey Ryan refuted a lot of this with his own stuff. But it's very difficult to make a, an educated adjustment or judgment on these because obviously they could be doctored. Exactly. So the, I guess the point of the, the point is he is trying to counter sue or just sue his alleged victims for what five million dollars. How many people yeah. have $5 million handy, you know? How many people can just go to the bank and, you know, pull out a $500 and just wipe their ass with it? Like, that's that's not how this works. Sure, you might have lost some work. Like, I understand that, and you got to make ends meet. But, A, this is just a disgusting thing to do to begin with. And, B, you're making it so much worse by asking for, so, like, an exuberant amount of money that these women more than likely can't pay. So what? what's the point? He's damaging his own reputation even more than it already was. He should have just, like, let it go. I, I don't even know what else to say, man. Like, the, this guy is a train wreck. One thing that really stood out to me... Um, so you had the Speaking Out movement, which is still ongoing... But the initial burn rate of everything, you know, the massive kind of, because there was a few weeks where it was just chaos and we had a very hard time working out what to cover, what not to cover, whether we should even bother with a podcast. We dropped our interviews for months, um, some of which are still waiting to be dropped. And, you know, I have apologized um, profusely to the talents that have been interviewed by us who are not involved in this. And I do hope that eventually we'll be able to get those out there. but there was a large amount of silence, and now what we're getting is a reformation of sorts, but in the fire of people throwing it back. You know, we've seen uh, individuals from NXT UK who are suing, you know, independent wrestlers. Mariah May has been at the centre of that. Um, I don't think it's unfair to name that party, particularly as it's out there on social media, so I would assume that that's kind of fair usage at this point to be able to at least discuss. But it's astonishing that, you know, I 
I don't like coming out and immediately saying that person's guilty without seeing evidence. Now, a lot of people are going to listen to this and say, you're a fucking dickhead. You're a sympathizer, blah, 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 blah. That's great. Okay, fair enough. If that's the opinion you want to form, that's fine. I can only form an opinion based on what is presented to me. And I feel pretty, I would say pretty um, vindicated in saying that Joey Ryan is most likely guilty because there's just such a massive amount of be it trauma, PTSD, allegations of a soul, you know, forcible behavior, emotional distress. There's so much being levied at him. It's very difficult to just sort of say, well, you know, where's my evidence? And some of the women have been forthcoming with evidence anyway. Um, so it, it's so messy. And then, you know, to go on social media and to use God as your plaintiff, so to speak, to use God as your measure of judge. Oh, you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. Well, you're going to be up shit creek if that guy doesn't exist then, aren't you, sunshine? And if he does and you are guilty, which you most likely are, you're fucked anyway. <laughs> you're not getting in heaven. They, it, for me... I do kind of agree with Jim Cornette here. Uh, he says that people who find religion late in life have turned to religion because nobody else will believe their shit. <laughs> and it does kind of feel this way with Joe Ryan. And the fact that he's out there on social media now again, some people will look at that and say, oh, yeah, well, you know, Joey Ryan's on social media, so he's obviously not guilty because he's got the guts to stick me on social media and stuff. And... Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that the unbelievably vile and toxic comments that are being sent to him are helpful because they're not. There's no point in just screaming abuse at somebody like that on social media. People are like, oh, yeah, you know, judgment by social media. That's not a real court of law. OK, you need to get that for your fucking head. It's pathetic that you think that social media is the be all and end all things. Way too many people need to get off their fat asses and go outside and smell some fucking oxygen. Breathe in. Yeah. Sniffing some oxygen, take it in, maybe taking some of the sun if you're lucky enough to live in a place that has some, unlike the UK at this time of year. You know, just fuck's sake, get a life. Get a fucking life. And if you want to be productive, right, this particularly ascertains to men because this is annoying me, right? I don't give a fucking shit if you've unfollowed a dangerous human being or not, or if you've, Oh, I've, I've unfollowed this person because I understand the, you know, demonstrative behavior. No, you fucking don't. Unless you are actually a victim of sexual assault. Like I have been, unless you're a victim of sexual assault, like the majority of these women have been the trauma, the PTSD, the emotional conflict, the domestic abuse that comes with that. You do not understand what they've been through. And unfollowing someone like Joey Ryan doesn't make you a better person. Okay. You're not going to be able to go down the grocery store and cash in, your fucking social justice points. Good news, everybody. I unfollowed Joey Ryan and Jack Gallagher this week. That means that I am liable for a fucking pint of milk. No, you are not. Get back in your fucking hole. If you want to be credible, if you want to achieve something, if you want to help, you can raise money for a multitude of different charities that help support victims of domestic abuse, rape crisis, things of that nature, male and female. Okay? 
Don't fucking sit there and spend hours a day going, oh, I'm on social media and I unfollowed this person and I hate everyone who still follows that person. I'm sorry. Some people might be following Joey Ryan because they need to use that for evidence. Some people might be following him for context. It doesn't fucking matter who follows who. What fucking matters is helping the victims. What fucking matters is ensuring that we live in a culture where it is not freely accessible for men to force themselves upon women. How about we fix that instead of your fucking fragile ego because you're scared shitless that some of your female friends might think less of you. Oh, and let's be honest, I reckon a lot of these toxic, hilariously retarded men are doing this because they think, oh, well, if I show, you know, enough... Um, solidarity towards their cause. Maybe she'll suck me off. That's probably it. Because I know what men are. I'm not stupid. I'm not stupid, okay? We've all been nice to people because we hope we might get something from them, whether it's nefarious or not. <laughs> so, you know what? Shut the fuck up. I don't care what your fucking Twitter rights ascertain to, and I don't give a shit who you do and don't follow. What I give a shit about is ensuring that these women are protected in the right way. And they don't even need to be protected. They should be able to just fucking walk around without fear of being subjugated to abuse or heckling or disgusting, leery behaviour. You know, it it starts with the culture, like I said. And you can see it everywhere you go. Not a single man who listens to this can honestly tell me that they haven't at some point seen some leery behaviour. I go down the gym regularly, right? Good-looking women go to the gym. Surprise. Because they want to be fit, just like us. It's called going to the gym. And you would be amazed. Like, you know, I'll sit in the weight section. I'm on my own business, right? I'm a little bit anxious in the gym. I don't like people looking at me at the best of times. So I keep my head down. I do more work. And I fucking go out. And you're, every now and then you look up. And, you know, the blokes will just be leering at the one or two women that are in the weight area. Have you ever wondered why so many women don't want to go in that weight area? Because of the culture. Because of the behavior and the behavioral patterns of men. Because for some reason it's embedded in their culture that it's acceptable to leer upon women. To smell them inappropriately. To touch them inappropriately. To say inappropriate things. And don't get me wrong. I'm sure we're all guilty of it. And I would wholeheartedly apologize if I ever offended anyone with an untoward or forward comment, whether they be a partner or not. But I certainly don't go out of my way to leer upon people. And I don't think that's that difficult to just crack on with my own life because I'm not interested in other women as it is. I'm cracking on with things and doing my own thing as well. You know, so you've got to start from scratch burn the whole thing fucking down and start again and if you're a man think about if you were a woman how you would feel if you were subjugated to so much unnecessary sexual abuse barragement even shitty little comments because i tell you what if i followed you around all day and said unnecessary things about you sexually i bet you get uncomfortable after a while i bet you'd feel subjugated you'd feel like you were being victimized in some way well women you know and i've spoken to a lot of women about this because i want their opinions and one of the things that really stood with me was one of my female friends said to me that as a woman i have to wake up every day I have to be aware that however I dress, I will be judged for that. However my hair is done, I will be judged for that. The way my makeup is done, I will be judged for that. I have to steal myself for a multitude of sexualized comments, unnecessary, untoward, and forward observations from men. I have to steal myself for all of that behavior while dealing with the very different hormonal changes that exist while being a woman. It is a very different world for women, and men are not fucking helping them you know, find the equality 
and the choices that they should have a right to. It is so frustrating. It really is, because I don't find it that difficult to go outside and be respectful. If I walk past a woman, she smiles. I'll say, oh, morning. How you doing? You all right? Try and be nice, whatever. I don't just go, nice tits, love. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> literally, men seem to be devolving. And I'm not going to say that all women are perfect. There's definitely some terrible people out there, whether they be male, female, however they choose to identify. But that doesn't mean that overall there's an issue here. And it just continues beyond belief and it doesn't stop there jack gallagher uh better known as jack claffy i'm assuming that's his real name but that's at least what he's identifying as he still has a twitter account and he released this tweet uh, on october the 4th so five days ago which is why we're covering it now so apologies are a little bit late to the party on this one um which is an unfortunate turn of phrase and apologize for that Breaking my silence following the media stories from June 2020, Jack Gallagher wrote in a two-picture post where he had obviously written a block of text. Following an allegation made in June 2020 as part of the Speaking Out movement, I was released from my contract with the WWE. Um, excuse me, we had a slight audio jump there. Uh, I didn't release, I didn't release, excuse me, a statement then because it didn't feel the right thing to do at the time. I have now taken the time to process what has happened and would like to respond. In 2014, at a New Year's Eve party, I met a young woman and my behaviour towards her was inappropriate. As this party was nearly six years ago and I had drunk quite a large amount of alcohol that night, unfortunately, I do not recollect what happened. I wish to make it clear that drinking is not an excuse for my behaviour that night. I want to express my deepest regrets and I am genuinely sorry for the upset that I have caused. Following these allegations, I proactively contacted the head of WWE Talent Relations to take responsibility for my actions. As I was aware that the woman who made the allegations and I had both attended the same New Year's Eve pie, I was then informed that this would be a breach of the company's ethics policy. I'm amazed they even have one at this point, from being frank. And this is what led to my release from my contract with the WWE. This isolated incident is not reflective of my behavior and attitude towards women. As a man, I know I can do better. And with the support of my wife, I've taken the time over the last few months to understand what I can do. But this is not about me, but about the women that come forward as part of the Speaking Out movement. I will continue to support women and this movement to the best of my ability. Um, this is another thing. Uh, your thoughts on Jack Gallagher not denying the allegations. Now, I should, just for context, quickly say that the allegations made against him, well, he made unbelievably aggressive sexual advances and tried to rip off a woman's skirt in the toilet. Essentially, this was an attempted rape allegation. And also, throughout the evening, he was forcing large amounts of alcohol uh, on a woman who was, shall we say, not in complete control of her faculties. Um, so the allegations are essentially attempted rape and also, um, you know, behavior enforcement through alcohol which is not a good thing, obviously. Uh, Carl, your thoughts on Jack coming out and having this to say and essentially admitting that he may have done something wrong back in 2014 and then trying to use the tweet to show his support for other women? I mean, it, it seems kind of weak, to be honest. I mean, I think you were saying like he didn't exactly deny the allegations. He just... It's hard to really say what he did. He's essentially just said, I was drunk and I was unaware of what happened. I mean, he said it himself, but I'm going to reiterate, being drunk is not an excuse for something like this. I don't care how much you had. Like, that that doesn't work. I've I've had some near calls with uh, being hammered at parties with girls, okay? Like, it's... 
it, it's 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 not an excuse. It's not a good thing. You can't just say, "Oh, I was really drunk," and this kind of stuff almost happened. That's that's not good enough, man. You should. He broke his silence, but it was not worth breaking. That's I find that statement very disingenuous. It just it doesn't seem like it doesn't sound like he's expressing that much. So he he said, "Yeah, like I'm going to try and you know support women and all that stuff, help with my wife and stuff." But that doesn't still doesn't excuse it. It still doesn't make it seem real. So I, I, I honestly, I think it's a bit of bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I, anyone who knows me knows I don't really like alcohol that much. I'm not a big drinker. Um, I'm, I always give myself one day a year, which is normally at the NFL at Wembley or Tottenham Hotspur, as it is now as well. Uh, I'll go to the American football when it's over here in the UK and I'll get drunk with a few of my mates. And that'll be it. And then I'll just stagger home and fall asleep because luckily for me, I'm, I'm a very huggable drunk. You know, I'm like, who wants a hug? And then I just pass out because I'm too tired and too old for this shit. Um, but as a rule of thumb, I don't really enjoy alcohol. I don't like being around people that drink. I find it uncomfortable. Uh, I find people's uh, reactions and attitudes towards alcohol and when they're inebriated to be quite, not intimidating, but it makes me quite anxious. And as an individual, I don't want to be around people who get drunk and aggressive. So, you know, and that combined with a multitude of different things where I used to drink when I was younger and stuff and saw some, you know, horrible behavior from people. Alcohol in general for me is just, it's just not my cup of tea. You know, if people want to have a drink, that's fine. That's not a problem. I always try and express to people, please don't drink and drive. Please try and drink responsibly. I know it sounds like such an old man thing, but honestly, it can make such a difference to the quality of the world if you just pay attention to what you're putting in your system. And I always say to women in particular, please, please, please keep an eye on your drinks. This kind of behavior. Um, Jack Gallagher in his statement essentially admitted that he had done something wrong, but he didn't want to fully admit to that. So he just kind of said, oh, well, the details are hazy. What do you mean they're hazy? You know what you've done. You must know what you've done. And even if you don't know what you've done, there is a lot of people coming after you. Either way, this was not <laughs> this was not an educated decision by Mr. Gallagher or Claffy or whatever you want to call him, pirate, whatever, I don't give a shit. As far as I'm concerned, you know, saying that, oh, well, I went to WWE's ethics committee and said that I may have done something wrong. That makes me a good person. No, it doesn't. You have admitted that you might have done wrong. In some world, that might lead to a quasi apology, you know, but overall it doesn't mean jack shit. It really doesn't. Excuse the pun. And frankly, that's not good enough. You know, saying, oh well I might have done something. Marty's girl was the same. And that it breaks my heart. It does, because I loved Marty's girl for a long time. I don't anymore. I used to support my girl vehemently. I would consider Marty's girl to be you know, tantamount to a friend almost. I'd spent a large amount of time, you know, following my girl, um, training in the same places he had trained and stuff like that. Not because I wanted to be my girl, but obviously, you know, when you see somebody with a level of success that you admire or look up to, you're no doubt going to look at the path you've taken and see what you can apply to your journey too. And he was the same. He came out of the same and said, yeah, I was inappropriate with this girl when she was 16 and all that, but, you know, it was it was consensual, so it's okay. <laughs> right, okay, she was 16, don't worry about it. You know, this whole thing of like, ah, oh, well, I've owned up to it, so it should go away now. No, that's not how trauma works. It, it, that's not how it works. And in most extreme circumstances that we have, 
where there's been, you know, physical violence or abuse of some sort. Um, and that's not to belittle the smaller incidences or the, you know, less emotionally inclined incidents. That is not going to fix things. That is not going to help those people. Some people will have irreparable damage caused to them emotionally, physically, whatever it may be. That's not for me to judge. Each case should be judged on an individual basis and dealt with by that person um, from an inward perspective. You know, that's not for me to say. But that's not enough. It's not enough. And saying, oh, yeah, no, I've spoken to my wife and I'm, I'm going to be a better person going forward. That doesn't retract what you may have done. And this statement was frankly stupid and advised. Um, and finally, oh, Jesus, it's depressing, but it has to be covered. I'd rather we covered it in big one lump and gave our honest opinions and just try and make some sense of this fucking awkward period in time for wrestling. Uh, Matt Riddle. Uh, former Evolve personality Candy Cartwright, who a lot of people will have seen on Twitter, a very beautiful and very cool human being, actually. I've seen Candy Cartwright. Um, I'm very excited by her career, actually. I think she's a very talented individual. Uh, she's suing Matt Riddle, WWE Evolve, and Gabe Sapolsky for $10 million each. As announced at a press conference in Chicago yesterday, Cartwright first accused Riddle of multiple instances of sexual assaults during the Speaking Out movement in June and will now pursue a total of $40 million across the four defendants. Um, Matt Riddle is alleged to have sexually assaulted uh, Candy Cartwright on several occasions, including in a van. Um, there is also alleged accusations of mass adultery, infidelity, um, whatever you want to call it. WWE have pursued this very weakly and have, frankly, persisted on showing Matt Riddle on live television despite this. Uh, Matt Riddle actually pursued a restraining order recently, which after 36 hours he withdrew after the lawyer involved in, uh, who was representing Candy Cartwright essentially just tore it apart and completely destroyed his credibility, which rings massive alarm bells, alleged or not. So finally, Kyle, before we talk about something slightly slightly more you know i don't know uplifting should i say and um, because i don't want to demean anything that's going on your thoughts on matt riddle his attempted restraint order being rejected the fact he's being sued and also the fact that wwe persist on showing this guy on tv in what i have always said from the get-go is a shockingly shit gimmick anyway and that's not me trying to be socially justice or whatever i'm just saying i don't think matt riddle really belongs on mainstream tv anyway so i find it astounding that they're willing to push this as far as they have it's kind of like the uh, Velveteen Dream situation, except potentially worse because of all this legal action involved. Just take him off TV. Whatever's happening behind the scenes with the legalities and all that, to deal with that, but keep him off TV. He doesn't need he doesn't need to be seen, especially with all this shit going on right now. It's bad press for him. Not that that's really a huge issue, but it's bad press for WWE as a company as well that they will just show this guy in a prominent position on their television programs while, you know, he's being sued for sexual assault. Take him off TV, deal with all that shit. If it comes back that he's innocent, bring him on back. Fine. If it progresses the opposite way, then do what you need to do. But for now, just take the guy off TV. He doesn't need to be seen. People don't need to be like, this doesn't need to be in the forefront of wrestling, okay? What we want out of our wrestling is some carny bullshit. You know, that's what we've always won. And WWE, for better or for worse, is very good at providing that. 
But when there's all this real life implications, it takes us out of that. It it snaps us out of, you know, trying to forget how shitty the world is right now, just in general with Corona. And I mean, also speaking out, just they're making it harder for themselves. So just take them off TV. That's the bottom line. Yeah, I mean, what bothers me most about this situation is the fact that he's not needed on TV. I said this about Velveteen Dream a couple of weeks ago. They're not even needed on TV. Why would you even bother at this point taking a risk in this very fragile environment? You know, people's senses are unbelievably heightened, whether that be negatively or positively due to the coronavirus. So why in God's name would you think it was okay to put an alleged sex offender on your TV in any format until you have absolute concrete evidence from a court of law that, you know, he's okay to do so? It just... smacks of massive malcontent and just classic WWE. Vince McMahon's probably sitting there going, oh, I don't give a shit. Put him on TV. Fuck all of you. Because he just doesn't give a shit. How could you possibly think this is a wise decision? And then, you know, if Matt, you know, Matt Riddle's come out. He's spoken on social media about how, you know, he cheated on his wife with this individual and stuff like that, allegedly. And uh, ultimately, this is so messy and we're not talking about a megastar. You know, with all due respect, and not that it matters because it doesn't, but if, if you're WWE, from a business standpoint, right, you're talking about, okay, Velveteen Dream and Matt Riddle could have a lot of potential, right, as wrestlers, could have a lot of potential as stars like down the line. But ultimately, they are guys that don't need to be on TV right now for the, pro- you know, if they're not on TV, the product's not going to suffer. So that, if anything, just enforces the absolute negligence and idiocy of having these people on TV. What is the point? Carl Wilkinson, right? If you own your own business, okay, you have a small team of staff that work for you and somebody makes an allegation towards a member of your staff from outside of your business, maybe from another business, says one of your members of staff tried to sexually assault me at a club or, you know, whatever. He tried to do something untoward towards me. And this was going to be looked into further if there were going to be legal allegations, if there were going to be ramifications towards this, would you be like, okay, well, until then, you can just keep coming to work and keep earning a paycheck? Of course you fucking wouldn't. You'd be like, right, okay, I understand, you know, whether you have to suspend them with pay, suspend them without pay, there are a multitude of different things to handle this, but ultimately, you have to sit down and say, you have to deliberate responsibility. You have to say, okay, because of the allegations that were made towards you, as an individual and as a professional, not have this in a working environment. And this is the problem that we come back to with wrestling as a culture. No matter how entertaining you find it, no matter how much me and you enjoy talking about it on the podcast, my Lord, we do, and I love this podcast, dearly. I am so fucking pissed off that the wrestling seems to think it is this own fucking culture that it can exist outside of any societal parameters. Now, anyone who knows me knows I'm extremely anti-conformity. I don't believe in regulated society. I don't believe in the norms. I believe that people's behavioural patterns are dictated by who they are. I believe in free thinking. Obviously, I don't believe in any kind of wrongdoing or malcontent towards individuals, but I also believe deep down that people should be allowed to express themselves and should be able to live with the identity that they so choose. We allow it when it comes to sexuality. We allow it when it comes to gender. 
but we don't allow it in a lot of different things. You know, people that frown upon certain things because we're a very judgmental society. But I also believe that it is still a society and we should all treat each other with a level of decency and respect. And wrestling has decided, yeah, we'll do that, but on our own time and on our own terms. No, you fucking won't. Who will work with everybody else? You know what? If you want to be carny, great. If you want to do cinematics, great. If you want to do crazy flippy wrestling or old school wrestling, whatever, fine. If everything is done consensually and professionally, I don't give a shit what you do. But when you decide that, oh, well, you know, we're wrestling, so we don't have to pay, you know, pay people this or we can get away with using trainees for free and forcing them to work 16 hours a day. No, you should not be able to do so. And do not, just because the speaking out movement is taking a massive position here, do not think that you're going to come on this podcast as a wrestler or as an individual, and I will not challenge you if you think it's acceptable just because it was the old way of doing things to not pay trainees, to not pay individuals to wrestle, to make them work for ridiculous hours, to make them bump, to haze them. Oh, you know, yeah, people have come on here and said, oh, yeah, you know, when I started training, I got fucking chopped to shit. They made me bleed, and that was just part of That's great. But that's not how it should be now. And a trainee should not be subjected to that behavior. Because once you make that the norm, all of a sudden what happens is these wrestlers believe, because that's normal, they can do whatever they fucking please. If you teach wrestlers from the get-go, oh, it's okay to be bullied. It's okay to work for free. They're not going to think twice about forcing themselves on people, are they? Of course they're fucking not. Because you created this stupid fucking culture in the first place because you decided that you are still inbred and carnival like the original circus. It's such an ancestral pit of idiocy and it needs to be fucking fixed. Because I like wrestling. I like watching wrestling. I like covering wrestling. I like consuming wrestling. I like training to be a wrestler. I like performing on shows. And at no point have I thought, well, she looks nice. I might try and fucking ram-rate her in the toilets. Oh, he's a fucking dickhead, so I'm going to shit in his kit bag. Oh, I don't like that guy, so I'm going to deliberately try and crotch him at every possible opportunity in training. No, because I'm a human fucking being. And if I did have an issue with somebody, I'd like to think that I could speak to them in a professional manner face-to-face. And ultimately, wrestling has decided that they're beyond that nonsense, that they don't have to act like adults. They can still, you know, maintain this ludicrously unprofessional, stupid behavior. So speaking out is at the peak of things that absolutely it should be. This is a fucking serious problem. But don't think that we... And particularly this podcast have forgotten that you motherfuckers out there who are... I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, on Facebook, say, oh, you know, well, wrestling is... um, We're disappointed with what people have done recently. These are the same people that I know for a fact have been underpaying talents, not paying talents, using fucking, you know, dangerous parameters, ignoring the parameters of social distancing of COVID-19 to persist with training because money is so fucking important to them. You know... Frankly, extorting trainees, charging them to see footage of their own matches that they've already participated in for nothing. Okay? Not very many of you are innocent, so stop fucking acting as if, oh, they're speaking out, things terrible, and we stand by all the women. But we're going to continue to underpay students and take the piss out of trainees and extort and, you know, partake in fraudulent activities. Fuck you. You are not going to get away with that just because people's eyes are on something else. You're part of the problem, too. That's what I mean about its culture. 
burn it all down and start from scratch. That is the only way, in my opinion, this will be fixed. Any final thoughts, Mr. Wilkinson, before we start diving into this week's multitude and plethora of wrestling content? No, I mean, honestly, I think I'd rather just move on to something at least a little lighter. I know it's very important. We do have to talk about it, but Christ almighty, it's depressing. Yeah, it's, it's fucking depressing. But I'll tell you what, while I've got the energy, I will not fucking let people get away with this. People will be held accountable, including myself. I've been held accountable for my behavior, you know, and I don't think I've ever done anything to slight anybody in wrestling. Do I say, you know, inflammatory things? Do I say things that are, you know, not societally the norm? Yes, I do. But I also believe in respecting everybody, and I would never, ever dream of trying to invade people's boundaries or breaking the fucking law in the wrestling world. That's just not how I operate. And I think that other people need to fucking well wake up. They do. It's as simple as that. Um, let's move on to the world of actual wrestling. So let's get, uh, let's get into the entertainment side of things. Did you watch WWE Raw this week, Mr. Wilkinson? Uh, I watched some parts of it. I did. Which was a surprise to me, to be honest. But uh, I just I, I had to watch Kevin Owens and the Fiend. I, I had to see what was going on there. Well, I'm going to start there actually, because obviously, when we normally do this podcast before SmackDown is called, if uh, for instance we're doing this a few hours before SmackDown airs on Friday, um, we don't normally talk about SmackDown enough. But one thing I wanted to talk about, though, so obviously last week SmackDown, we saw Alexa Bliss on the KO show. Alexa Bliss turned; she had this maniacal mentality, and ultimately, it felt that she was going to, you know, you felt the turn. There's been a, a building chemistry between her and the Fiend. When his name is mentioned, all of a sudden she becomes this zombie-like. She's in this kind of state, like a Russian trigger agent. Something happens to Alexa Bliss. And this played out on the KO show. And obviously continued into Raw, where Kevin had invited Bray Wyatt of the Fiend, which they're kind of treating as, you know, two separate I like the way they refer to him as him. I <laughs> think that's really good. Um, I really enjoy this. I've got to say, I'm really enjoying this. I'm disappointed that the fiend isn't in the title picture. And some people may have seen that slight nod to things with Alexa Bliss staring at Roman Reigns with such discontent. And I thought, Oh, hello, this could be exciting. And I think that's going to be built for later down the line. I'm excited for that. But right now, if you had to pick somebody who could work with, uh, the fiend and Bray Wyatt in a very good and very, psychologically telling storyline, I feel like Kevin Owens is the pinnacle of that. And I know Kevin Owens is kind of one of the very big reasons you still partake in WWE, obviously not just because he's Canadian, because he's fucking fantastic at what he does. What are your overall thoughts on everything that's kind of played out in front of us so far? You know, the gripping kind of tension between the two individuals and also the fact that now Kevin Owens seems to be inserted in this rivalry, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, I can't wait to see where they go with this. I mean, the, the only caveat I had to that was, you know, Aster Black just had to come in and kick Kevin in the face. I'm like, oh, wow, Aster Black is yeah. doing shit. Wow, what do you do? But the stuff with The Fiend, I think, like, Kevin Owens, it's not like he's uh, AJ Styles. Like, he's still an incredible wrestler, but it's not like, you know, he's fucking just this unreal phenomenon. But that doesn't mean he still can't put on fantastic matches. Like we've seen the stuff he did with Sami Zayn. We've seen the stuff he did even with AJ Styles over the US title a few years back. Kevin Owens can wrestle a good match. And The Fiend is such an interesting character. 
but he could do such a different variety of matches, and we've seen that. So now let's... Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to be uh, the draft coming out tonight, part one tonight, part two on Monday. Maybe uh, Kevin will go over to SmackDown or The Fiend will come to Raw, whatever. I'm really hoping that we get a good long-term story out of this because I think these two guys could work some absolute magic together. Yeah, I think we're on the verge of seeing the best work that these two individuals have done. Not, I wouldn't say the best uh, full spot, but definitely some of the best that we've seen. I'm excited about what these two can do in a saying. I feel that Kevin Owens and Bray Wyatt as individuals understand wrestling. They understand the pageantry of wrestling, the the entertainment aspect of things. They understand that it is not just a physical format, that there is so much more that goes into being a wrestler and being part of this entertainment spectacle. And they're two men that I feel have adapted to the WWE environment better than anyone else. I feel that ultimately um, they're not getting the, the kind of privileges and the admiration and adoration from people that they should, particularly within the business. I know they're very popular outside of it. Fans clearly show their love for these two guys. But you would feel that someone like Kevin Owens, and especially The Fiend, would have been multiple time world champions by now. And I know that The Fiend has kind of won the Universal title a few times, but it's kind of been, you know, shopped around. And I feel like he's never had an opportunity to be a proper world champion. You understand me? You know, he, he's been a world champion, but he's never had a meaningful run. I don't, you know, he won at Elimination Chamber in, I want to say, 2016. Uh, it, was, it was 2017. Oh, you're I such remember. a mark. <laughs> uh, just, well, I remember being oh, so my. excited for that. That is oh, not boy. 2016. Um, <laughs> that is not 2017. Uh, you know, he won it at the Elimination Chamber, uh, which I really enjoyed that event, by the way, because I believe that was the same pay-per-view where Naomi first dethroned the legs of this for the title and then unfortunately had to drop it and then she won it back at WrestleMania, which is where Bray Wyatt drops the WWE title to Randy Orton, which was WrestleMania 33, I think. So, you know, things we're going to swing our fucking encyclopedic wrestling dicks around. Um, I've got plenty in that department too. So, yeah, I would like to see these guys at the pinnacle of the show and at the pinnacle of the format more simple as that. But that being said, the combination of them and Alexa Bliss being involved in this and looking the way she does and acting the way she does just inject this shit into my veins. I'm ready for it. Now, uh, that wasn't the only interesting thing that happened on Raw. Actually, Raw was full of surprises. by the way, as a quick aside, completely agree with you on the Alistair Black thing. Don't care. Why are they molding two fucking storylines together? And also, really wild uh, and interesting fact for you, this tonight will be the first time The Fiend has ever wrestled on SmackDown, apparently. So that gives you an idea of how crazy that is. Made a lot of appearances, never actually had a match. I think he might be wrestling KO tonight. That should be on pay-per-view, as far as I'm concerned, especially with Adam Cell coming up. Don't see why it isn't. Uh, Raw, the unveiling of what seems to be the leader of our good buddies, Retribution. Now, you may have remembered a week ago, us slagging off Retribution. A couple of weeks ago, especially taking the piss, uh, Slapjack and T-Bar, and having a bit of a giggle with it all. Everybody knows my favourite wrestler is the 
man who is now being placed at the helm, it seems, of retribution, Mustafa Ali. So just when I thought I couldn't give a shit, they drag me back in kicking and screaming. Oh, you don't like retribution? Well, we're going to take your favorite wrestler and put him at the head of it. Mustafa Ali, now it would seem the head of retribution, as was unveiled pretty well, I thought, actually. I really enjoyed this segment on Raw. He was, you know, he was taken out on the Hurt Business. He was dealing with some beef with them. All of a sudden, retribution comes in. Every piece like, join us, join us. We need to join together. He bails out of the ring. You think, oh my God, he's going to get decked. And then he just turns and with this maniacal grin, which is beverly fitting of a beautiful Middle Eastern man, he just tells them to get him. And they fucking wreck shop. And he puts up his hand and the lights go out. I, 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 I popped so hard for this. I thought this was so good. And all of a sudden, an angle which I have been very meh and very disingenuous towards has my attention. Your thoughts on Mustafa Ali being the head of retribution, mate? Uh, I just straight I popped my shit. It was the first time in, I don't know, how long that WWE got me. Like, holy shit. I did not see that coming. It was such an incredible reveal. Like, when he got out of the ring, I thought he, he was just going to get fucking popped. And he's like, now, nah, boys, get him. I'm like, holy fucking shit. Let's go. The only thing I'm hoping for is that maybe... Do you remember the SmackDown hacker? Do you remember how that used to be a thing? Yes, yeah. I'm hoping that maybe they'll do a little bit of, you know, continuity fixing up where, uh, you know, Mustafa Ali was the hacker and that was just, you know, like the start of it. I would like to see that. It's not a necessity because Ali can do whatever he wants and I'm all in on it. But I I would just like that from a storyline point of view. But either way, it was so fucking cool. He's finally in a position of prominence and let's fucking push him to the moon, dude. Right to the moon! To the moon! Cameron Grimes will be unveiled next week as part of Retribution. You heard it here first. Um, if that happens, by the way, I want fucking money. I want residuals for that. Uh, something that really excites me about this, beyond the fact that it's Mustafa Ali getting a push, everybody knows that I'm half Egyptian. I have Middle Eastern family. I'm very proud of my Middle Eastern heritage. And also, I have been a real spokesperson for the enforcement and enhancement of Middle Eastern wrestlers. I believe that it has been, you know, I believe the last time we had a prominent champion of Middle Eastern descent was the Iron Sheik. That was back in 1984, if I'm not too incorrect. That's a long time. And since then, uh, and even then, Iron Sheik, you know, they were used and marginalized in a very Islamophobic way. You know, and 9-11, unfortunately, was a massive contributor to that. You know, as soon as the Gulf War kicked off, 9-11, the war in Afghanistan, everything that comes with it, there has been this media-driven nonsense that, you know, anyone who looks like me or Mustafa Ali or Jordan Said or Mohamed Salah, who plays up front for Liverpool, is one of the most prominent footballers in the world right now, that we are essentially terrorists or extremists because the world is full of dumb shit racists and it's almost like oh it's not acceptable to have a go at the blacks anymore so who can we pick on now or let's have a go at these arabs these dirty arabs these extremists and the reason i can say all this shit is because i live in that society and i've spent my whole fucking life being denigrated and abused for the way i look despite the fact that i can speak better english than most fucking white trash 
pieces of shit. And that's not everybody. Not throwing generalizations, but let's be honest, there's some white trash out there. There's some real racist, white supremacist, white trash, and I'm not going to fucking shy away from those people because I am seen as a minority to them. Fuck you. You will not suppress me or anyone else's voice, whether they be white, black, Asian, Arab, however they identify. You are not going to suppress our voices. It's as simple as that. When I look at Mustafa Ali, I see the potential to break through in the same way that Kofi Kingston did when he won the WWE Championship. I see the potential for the first modern era WWE champion from the Middle East. You know, and I know that he's from Chicago and people are like, oh, he's not actually properly Middle Eastern. Like they said this about Jinder Mahal. Well, he's not actually Indian. Well, he is. You're entitled to be of more than one culture. Frankly, if that's your opinion, you're a fucking retard. I'm just going to put that out there. You know, it's like saying, oh, Sami Zayn's family, some of them are from Syria. Yeah, he's all Syrian, oh, is he? He's a fucking Canadian. Like, yeah, he's Canadian. He also can, you know, be proud of his Syrian heritage. Is that why is that such an issue? To be honest, if that's your opinion, chances are you're probably racist, but you don't want to accept it. So maybe take your white trash, white supremacist opinions to a fucking sensitivity training shop and understand what culture actually is. Because I bet you city cunts probably eat fucking curry and drive a foreign car. So shut your whole mouth and appreciate that immigration is one of the most important exports going. <laughs> it really is. Um, Mustafa Ali, I'm obviously going to be even more emotionally invested. This is somebody that I see as a beacon of hope for my culture. Somebody who can help represent me in the same way that I represent myself wherever I go. I represent the Middle Eastern culture. I represent mixed race. I'm very proud of that fact. Nobody's going to fucking tell me otherwise. And I see Mustafa Ali in this position of prominence. And I'm very excited. And I will give WWE a lot of credit because they have put him in this prominent position so far. I love the Twitter game that's going on. Even Slapjack seems to have found something relatively decent to do because, as we all know, Shane Ford is a colossal bitch. <laughs> and um, if you're listening, Jack, fuck you. Um, but yeah, I, I, I got to be honest, I really love Dio Madden as well. I don't know why, but I'm really excited about his character. He looks like Black Predator, and I'm here for that energy. He looks so good. The way he was staring at Mustafa Ali, like he was going to skin him alive. I was like, oh my God, he's going to eat my favorite wrestler. I like him. I'm a big fan of his as well, and I think he could really... And of course, you've got Mercedes Martinez and Mia Yim, two very credible women's wrestlers. I think if you put the prominence and the feature on the more celebrated characters, and then everybody else is kind of like an extra, I think you've got something here. I'm excited about it. And hopefully it won't be like the Nexus where it just gets buried in two weeks by John Cena. <laughs> hopefully we're going to get something a little bit more long term. And hopefully as well, it might blur the lines between good and bad. Because when you think about it, the concept of retribution isn't necessarily the heels. The idea is that they want justice, that they want to punish people who are lazy, that are part of society. And who's more down with the machine than me? <laughs> Who's more against the whole, you know, I, nobody rages against that machine more than me, other than, of course, the aforementioned band. I fucking hate the machine. I hate societal norms. I hate generalizations. I hate stereotypes. I hate all of that. So this plays very much into my hands. And I will be staring transfixed at anything that they do over the forthcoming weeks and months. So yeah, I'm excited to see uh, what goes down with it. But the fact they picked Ali as well is great stuff. Now, um, 
some other stuff. Uh, very quickly, Mickey James is out for a few weeks. She broke her nose during her tie match against Asuka, so obviously we wish Mickey James the best. I don't think it affects the women's division too much, especially with the prominence of things that are coming through, but I felt it was worth a mention. So Mickey James won't be on our TV for a while, so get well soon, Mickey. Hopefully uh, we'll see you soon, because not only are you an absolute stunning human being in every sense, you're also one of the world's best women's wrestlers and have been for a large proportion of time. And I think that a locker room that has someone like Mickey James in it can count themselves very lucky. There's a lot of experience and a lot of credibility there. So yeah, fingers crossed that it won't be a long-term injury for her. Um, I wanted to shift gears to a W. Did you see any of dynamite this week, sir? I did not. And I'm actually really upset about it Boo! because, because I didn't job, get to see, Wilkinson. I didn't get to see Jericho 30. That I really wanted to see that. <laughs> yeah. But you missed out. You did. You missed out. So this is something that I wanted to talk about and I wanted to give some time to this. Now, Chris Jericho celebrated 30 years in the business, uh, this Wednesday night on dynamite. And I have a tribute of my own that I'll be dropping very soon. So please, uh, feel free to retweet, share and tag the great man yourself. Once you do see it, cause I will be dropping that very soon. Um, Chris Jericho has been in the business 30 years. Now, before I discuss everything that went down on AEW, I wanted to take a few moments just to kind of acknowledge the amazing career he's had. Um, everything that Chris Jericho seems to have done has been gold. Very little that he's touched has not turned to gold. He is constantly over those 30 years recreated himself whether that be via a gimmick whether that be by mentality and attitude he recreates himself he evolves he adapts to the wrestling business he just keeps coming out with brilliance even now as he you know crashes into his 50s he's still one of the best uh, entertaining you and making you smile and making you laugh and making you emote. He is still working so hard to ensure that talents around him, whether I like them or not, is irrelevant at this point. You cannot see it. Like, yeah, I saw some people say, oh, what a surprise, 50-year-old Chris Jericho. Oh, taking up the positions of other talents. Behave. He put over Orange Cassidy, mate. I ain't doing that, no matter how old I am. That's a credible wrestler. That ain't happening. And he did. You know, he put over Darby Allen, Scorpio Sky. He's trying to make talents. He's trying to make stars. He believes that this company can be the viable threat and the viable alternative to WWE. And he is putting everything he can into that at a much more advanced age where you would forgive him for rocking up, taking a payday, and just doing his own thing. He's trying to get all the guys in the inner circle over with him. I imagine Sammy Guevara is probably going to turn soon because there seems to be a lot of hints of that. And if they do, he is going to be monstrously over in a rivalry with Chris Jericho. Um, but 30 years of Chris Jericho. The first time I saw him wrestle was on an episode of Nitro. And this obnoxious, wavy, blonde-haired prick comes sauntering out. He's a little guy. He's part of the cruiseways. Now, for me, when I was young, I think I was about 12 at the time. This is when I first saw him. You know, when I was young, um, I always believed that cruiserweights were amazing athletes, but I just thought they were that. I never thought they were big characters, you know? I never thought they were personas. You know, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit. Uh, Perry Saturn, Eddie Guerrero, Psychosis, uh, Jorge Mysterio Jr., you know, all these guys. Um, La Parker as well, what a beast he was. <laughs> Although he look, doesn't look like a cruiserweight anymore, I can say that much. Um, all of these guys, for me, were, they were incredible wrestlers. They were the crazy high-flying lunatics that took up the first hour of WCW Nitro. But they weren't 
big characters. You know, that was what Hulk Hogan was doing. And Roddy Piper and all these old decaying farts and the odd few, you know, and Jeff Jarrett running around with his guitar and slapping on some things like that. And then I see Chris Jericho, who is just this pompous ass. (laughs) He is a colossal dickhead. And he was so entertaining. And as you know, I love me some heel. You know, I do. I love dickheads because I'm a bit of a dickhead myself. I like, you know, reprehensible behavior, of course, when it's done in a fictional environment, at least in wrestling. Um, and he was the best at it. You know, Chris, Demonenko, right, is a world-class wrestler. For me, Demonenko is probably the most underrated wrestler of all time. I think he's legitimately top 10. If you're talking just technical wrestlers, I think mean, he's top 10 of all time. I think he's world-class. I think he's one of the greatest wrestlers I've ever seen. He's working the ring. He's so smooth. Hashtag phrasing. And Chris Jericho comes out and he's got a list and he's reading out the, you know, he's got a thousand and four, you know, the list of Jericho. This is where the first list came. And he's reading out these names and he, he got emotions and responses and behavior from these guys that you had never seen before. You know, he was, trying to rip off Rey Mysterio's mask like a fucking... He was the first guy I saw ever trying to rip off his mask. I was like, you fucking dick. You absolute dick. But he brought something to that cruiserweight division. And in many ways, he was too big for the cruiserweight division from a personality standpoint. And thanks to some guys who came right before him and also himself as well, they really broke down barriers for smaller guys in wrestling. And Chris Jericho, obviously from WCW would move on to WWE and his, you know, who can forget his debut interrupting the rock, the pop. I think it was in Chicago actually when he debuted and the pop was just insane. You know, that music hits and he just, as soon as Jericho comes up on the Titan Tron, there was this eruption, pops that you just will never hear ever again because that's just not how wrestling is done anymore. Uh, or if you do, it'll be like once every 10 years. And from there, it's just, he just blazed a trail. You know, he eventually became the undisputed champion in 2001, which even then was a huge upset. Despite everything we knew about him, I still remember being shell-shot. Do you know, that's the one thing I can always say about Chris Jericho. He has always stunned me with what he's done, whether I think he's the best or not, or and I certainly think he's one of, if not the best wrestler in the world now um, of all time, definitely one of them. For me, he's always stunned me and shocked me. I remember when he won that, you know, that <laughs> undisputed title, when he beat The Rock and um, had The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin on the same night. You know, it was such a big deal. Such a big deal. For the company to say, you are our guy. We're going to put you in that prominent position. And, you know, ultimately he fell to Triple H, as so many people did from 2002 onwards. But Chris Jericho constantly reinvented himself. Multiple time IC champion, multiple time US champion. He went to NJPW when we all thought he was pretty much done. You know, not to mention 2007 when he regenerated, so to speak. He re evolved. He came back with a suit. He was quiet. He didn't want to say anything. There was a Save Us Jericho period as well, just before that. He just kept coming back and doing different things. He came back again. We had the, oh, the, the festival of friendship. He's magical. You know, with Kevin Owens, the work they did together reinvigorated me. Yeah, it reinvigorated my passion. And one of my favorite and most iconic lines in the history of wrestling, I think for me, it's, I'm sorry, I love you. Brett, screw Brett. And then it's, why is my name on this list? (laughs) Which is, 
it and that was <laughs> it's, it breaks you it gets you every time go back and watch the festival friendship when kevin owens turns on chris jericho that was a masterpiece of storytelling and wow you know, when you think something like that was a work, it was so good that you could have believed it was a shoot. You really could have. And just when you thought he was done, when he finally left WWE or took a break, he goes to NJPW and he creates magic with Kenny Omega. And I don't think Kenny Omega's peaked since then. I think that's the highest point Kenny Omega has been at. And since then, I don't think he's really been able to recapture that magic. I think that's what's so special about Chris Jericho. Whoever he works with, wherever he works with them, he gets the best out of them. And he makes them look much better than they should. And that, for me, is ultimately the legacy of what is one of the all-time great wrestlers. It's the fact that everything that he put his heart and soul into came out looking much better than it did going in, even if it looked great going in in the first place. Chris Jericho, an incredible career, 30 years, and still going strong. And here he is in AEW, their first ever champion. And I'm not happy, you know, with some of the stuff that's been going on with Orange Cassidy, but there's no denying that he has helped make that guy even more popular. So regardless of my thoughts on that, you have to give Chris Jericho the ultimate tip of the hat. He is world class. Where do you think Chris Jericho ranks in your mind in the all time greats? Is he on your Mount Rushmore of wrestlers, Mr. Wilkinson? Uh, he's in my top five for sure. If, if it had to be Mount Rushmore, he can be in my top four. That's fine. It's not, again, not just because he is Canadian, because I think it's quite well known by now. I have an incredible bias towards Canadian wrestlers. No idea why that is. Yeah, fucked if I know. But he, he's just, he's magical. He can reinvent himself. It, he, and that's all he's done for the last 30 years. That's longer than I've been alive, by the way. About, by about a year. Like, I'll be 30 next year in 2021. But... This guy has just been wrestling for essentially as long as I've been alive, and he has always been relevant. Sure, in WCW, in the Cruiserweight division, there was always that ceiling that Cruiserweights were going to hit, right? And he knew it, and, you know, Eddie knew it, Ben Wall knew it, Malenko knew it. They just knew that there was that level you were never going to get over while all the old guys were still, you know, tearing quads and doing whatever it was that they did. So he jumped ship, and within two years... He was the first ever wrestling undisputed champion. That's incredible. And he rides that till you know, I think it was 2005, I think, when he left the tour with Fozzie for a while. Came back in 2007 with the Save Us Y2J stuff, which was fantastic. And then less than a year later, 2008, like you say, he was out there wearing the suit. Like, just being like the soft-spoken Chris Jericho. I'm the best in the world at what I do. That match with Shawn Michaels at No Mercy. His rivalry with CM Punk. Even if I don't like Punk, that was still a good rivalry. Chris Jericho is what all wrestlers should try to be. Not you know, exactly like him, but in adapting to the way the world is. How the wrestling world is in its own little bubble. There's nothing this man hasn't been able to do in 30 years. And honestly, he, I don't think he's slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, um, truly, truly amazing. If you had to pick uh, Chris Jericho, if you had to pick a position, where do you think he is in the pantheon of the greats? What number would you place him in the ranking of the greatest of all time? Oh, that is, holy shit, okay. Um, 
he's I would still put him in my top ten for sure. Um probably like I, I don't I don't think I could put him any higher than five. But I mean that's still pretty fucking other. I'd probably put him right at the fifth best wrestler of all time. Just his in-ring work has always been great. His mic work has always been great. And the fact that, like I've said, like four times already, the fact that he can adapt so well. It's just, it's a testament to his longevity, his creativity, and his passion for the business. Fuck, I think I just talked myself into putting him up to like third. Yeah, so the reason I ask that is because my, when it's all said and done, people will sit down and, you know, I'm sure someone will ask me, who is, you know, they do now, who is the greatest wrestler of all time? When I was a kid, it was definitely Bret Hart. As I was getting older, I felt that Shawn Michaels was definitely one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Um, Roddy Piper, for me, is still, in my opinion, the greatest heel of all time. But what is the greatest wrestler of all time? So for me, there needs to be a load of qualifiers for this. There needs parameters. They have to be a world-class mind worker. They have to be a world-class in-ring worker. They have to elevate all the talent they work with. They have to have had a career of longevity. As much as Austin and The Rock are all-time greats for me, it also has to be pointed out that we really only got them in their super prime for three or four years. I've had consistently in my wrestling life as an adult and as a fan, uh, for the last 22 years, Chris Jericho has been one of the most prominent stars. He has worked with pretty much everybody. His in-ring work, admittedly, not as great now. Of course it isn't, because he realizes that he doesn't need to fucking charge around and have a, a, a you know an Iron Man match with technical brilliance, because it's just not needed at this point. He's proved everything he needs to prove anyway. He doesn't need to prove himself any further for me as a wrestler. But as an entertainer, I, I literally am gripped. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I might be editing a podcast. I might be sitting here drawing up another crazy piece of art for my social media account, which you can see at Aaron Nick's design. And you can see it right now on the screen if you're watching the YouTube cover of this, because I've done a nice little tribute to Chris Jericho, which hopefully, if I've done it right, you should be able to see it on YouTube as we speak. That is testament to the man himself. Whatever he's doing, I will put down what I'm doing and watch. He is, without a shadow of a doubt, um, I think it's safe to say that he is, for me, the greatest wrestler of all time. And I don't say that lightly, because I know that The Undertaker is probably number one for a lot of people. Uh, my top four or five would no doubt contain The Undertaker and Ric Flair. I think that has to be, and I think Shawn Michaels as well, and I think Chris Jericho. And then I probably put Austin in just over The Rock. Not because The Rock wasn't as special as Austin, but I feel like, you know, what Austin did in saving the company through the Attitude Era, I think he's kind of just pipped The Rock for me. But that's not to say The Rock is an all-time great as well. And But, you know, it, like I say, it is subjective. I get that. But for me, if you can find somebody who's had a 30-year career and done more and achieved more than he has in that time, I'd like to see it. Because a lot of people are going to say, what, The Undertaker? No. Because... As much as The Undertaker is one of the all-time greatest to ever breathe, <laughs> the reality is that the last few years of his life, there was very little in the way of work, right? And there was very little in the way of change as well. Undertaker never evolved or changed in the way that Chris Jericho did, and that's not to say that he had to either. For me, Chris Jericho has just eclipsed everything, and he's completely redefined what it means to be a wrestler. 
And the fact that he was able to go to NJPW for a short stint and work with Naito and Kenny Omega, who were the two most prominent guys in that company, other than Okada, of course, speaks volumes about him. And he did that at an advanced age, an older age, where he would have been excused for taking a big old payday and sitting on his ass and doing his Fozzy gigs and chilling out. And that's the other thing about him. Whether you like Fozzy or not, you cannot, you cannot argue the fact that Chris Jericho has done so much outside of wrestling. His podcast is an international success. He is a worldwide rock star. People are like, oh, false your shit. Yeah, well, they're playing in front of 200,000 people, whether that be contentious or not. You know, he does download festival and stuff like that. You know, I've, I've seen him live. I was very blessed, actually. My friends bought me for my 20th, uh, I think it was my 21st birthday, actually. Yeah, it was my 21st birthday at uni. They bought me tickets to see Fozzie in Portsmouth, my local city. And um, it was great. Fucking great. Got to meet Chris Jericho myself. I was popping my tits off for that. Like, he was cool then and he's cool now, man. Everything that he's done has just been fantastic, and he does so much outside. And we, you know, the the we're, the thing that we're not talking about because I never feel that it needs to be discussed as much as it is. Um, yeah, people talk about John Cena all the time, and his charitable contributions and his make a wish and things like that. Find me somebody who's done more to give back to the people in wrestling and around wrestling than Chris Jericho. But you know, he donates. Hundreds of thousands, it seems, every year to wrestlers in need for surgery. You know, he gets opportunities for his friends, as we're about to discuss with uh, Luther, of course, in AEW. Uh, you know, he, not only does he find so many opportunities for people, but he's so giving, you know. And there are a lot of us who don't have that life of luxury, who do struggle, myself included. You know, I do. It's a struggle sometimes to live. And Chris Jericho always puts his hand out and helps as many people as he can and helps lift them up and elevate them to a better position because he understands what it's like to be in a position of prominence and of, you know, I don't want to say wealth, but he lives a very rich life, which he has earned, and he's more than happy to give back. And we don't talk about that enough, whereas we wank ourselves silly whenever John Cena fucking does a Make-A-Wish. You know, and he's a multi-millionaire and whatever. And that's great. And what John Cena does, he's fantastic. He's clearly a lovely human being, even though he's made some, you know, bad discrepancies. But hey, haven't we all? We're not here to judge. But that's not to say that Chris Jericho doesn't deserve the same kind of energy for his plaudits and for his abilities. He has been a fantastic human being, and he has been one of the most upstanding human beings in all of wrestling. And he's done it all while entertaining the living shit out of me. Congratulations, GOAT, 30 years. That being said, AEW was absolutely insistent on trying to piss me off this week. <laughs> um, Cody Rhodes has retained what he lost in three minutes ten to Brody Lee in a dog collar match. Cody is the new TNT champion. Are you excited that they've put the belt back on Cody, Kyle? I mean, not really. <clears throat> I was a big fan of Brody Lee. I was a big fan of all the work he was doing. I mean, the Dark Order is meh, but he himself is great. So sure, let's cut the legs off the guy after he won. The, how long did he have the title for? Like three weeks, a month? A couple maybe? of months. Cool. See, this was one of the worries I had when, you know, AEW was a thing. I'm like, are these guys going to just put themselves in the main event all the time? And to be fair, for the most part, they haven't. But the, this was a very, very poor choice, in my humble opinion. 
I don't mind Cody becoming champion again. What I do mind is the longevity of Brody Lee's title reign and the way he won it. Now, I understand the storytelling premise. Cody got cocky. He was, you know, being lackadaisical, and he got taken to the limit, by the way, by quite a few, um, let me, shall we say, questionable indie choices. <laughs> Warhorse. Um, hate to break it to all you fucking sweaty marks out there. He is trash. <laughs> Sorry, but he is. He looks like Ultimate Warrior came in his face. Um, but, you know, so he got steamrolled by Brody Lee. I get it. He was humbled. His family was humiliated. His wife was choked out while he was laying there pro. You know, everything that went with it. And I get that. And the storytelling aspect of that was fine to an extent. So the moment that he's ready to go again, because I believe he's been away filming, working on a film project, which he was transparent about. And I respect that because he could have easily come out and pretended it hadn't happened and be like, oh, you know, I was away and I've taken time to rethink what I want to do. And I'm more aggressive now. And I've, I've taken the dye out of my hair and I've given it to Miro. At least we know where Miro got his crazy hair from. Now he obviously stole it from Cody. Um, ultimately, he just walks right back in. First match, boom, Dex Brody Lee takes the tie back. Now, it was a good match. It, was, it wasn't a classic. Uh, it was a bit of a bloodbath as well. And people were moaning, of course, Cody has to bleed. Stop collar match, mate. You got bleed. Come on. Have you not seen Roddy Piper versus Greg Bama Valentine? It's an absolute fucking blood fest. Gory, mate, is what it is. Violent. Um, that being said, I do agree. He should not have won it this easily. Who did Brody Lee? I think JR actually said he retained his title twice. He defended it twice before this match. Just twice he got to defend the TNT Championship. And one of those was against Orange Cassidy, who, by the way, is the next challenger for Cody's TNT Championship, which will take place next week at their anniversary show, even though the anniversary was a week or so ago. Doesn't make any sense to me. But it is what it is. Um, you know, it's it beggars belief. One step forward, two steps back. That's why I'm getting the general vibe of AEW. So this show had a lot of problems like this. So we'll focus on this for starters. What do you think about Orange Cassidy being the next contender for the TNT Championship? Well, considering he already he lost his first opportunity, and it was like two weeks ago. Yeah, I was saying it was pretty recent. Why? Why is he getting another one? Oh, yeah, because Tony Khan has a hard-on for him. I'm pretty sure that's the reason. Oh, he's, he's going to get it in a minute, I'll tell you. Christ. Yeah, like, it's, it doesn't make any sense. I think Cody will be a great champion. He was a great inaugural champ. I think if he if he's bringing back, like, the open challenge, I think that'll be really, really good TV every week. But why? Why did they need to do this? I still don't get it, bro. I... I don't know if you saw it. The Young Bucks put out a tweet the other day. You probably still blocked. I don't know. Um, where they um, they said, who should we super kick in the face next? Because their now gimmick is that they're whiny, supposedly healed douchebags who super kick people who are defenseless because nothing says I'm cool and edgy and heal like that. It's it's pointless. They super kicked Tony Schiavone last week. I don't give a shit, mate. Tony Schiavone is an annoying, insufferable douche at the best of times. If anything, that's a face booth for me. I, I don't give a shit that you're super kicking referees and no marks and even doing it in front of Tony Khan. And then your gimmick is that you get a load of money out because you're apparently rich from merch sales and then throw it on the floor and go, here you go, there's 10 grand for the fine. Um, 
it's got to the point now where it's become a boys club. I didn't want to believe Jim Cornette when he came out and said that, oh, AW, it's all about our friends. Let's put our friends over. Do you know what? He's on to something. Whether you like him or not, he's definitely... I like Jim Cornette. Fuck you. I don't care. I listen to his stuff. I have no problem listening to alternative opinions because I'm not a fucking snowflake. Uh, For me, I think that this is becoming a bit of a boys club. And we saw this on this show. Uh, the Young Bucks kind of interrupt FTR's title win by coming on TV and super kicking a cameraman who apparently is a snoop, even though he's been watching him for the entirety of that match. What the fuck is that dumb shit? You're turning into a circus. All the stuff that they're doing recently, I've noticed, if WWE had done it, they're fanboys and fangirls who, frankly, are insufferable at this point. And I love AEW, I do. But I'm sick of their apologists just going, oh, this is well good, this is really entertaining. No, it's not, it's fucking garbage. Why in fuck's name is Orange Cassidy the next challenger when he lost a title match two weeks ago? Doesn't make any sense. I want continuity and I want logic. It doesn't matter if it's a bit crazy, but there has to be some sort of logic and continuity and there's none of it. Why should he get a total shot when he lost two weeks ago? No. Get the fuck off my screen, mate. Go back to fucking, I don't know, whatever you're doing, hiding in fucking Trent's mum's car or whatever it is you do. They, you are not, you should not be in this prominent a position. Can you imagine someone of Orange Cassidy's, like, you know, can you imagine when Austin or The Rock was IC champion, if Orange Cassidy had come wandering out, they would have beaten him black and blue in 10 seconds of pinning. It's a joke. I have no problem with Orange Cassidy being on TV. Put him in the right position. And he shouldn't be, even if you want to push him, fine, fair enough. Tony Khan, like you say, who is clearly inept, you know, he doesn't run the Jacksonville Jaguars very well. They've been a fucking dumpster fire for the better part of 20 years because he's apparently director of football. What essentially happens here, right, is his dad throws a lot of money at things and then tells him to look after them because his dad can't be asked to run them, which is fine. I understand that when you're a multi-multi-billionaire. And he just makes an ass of it. My family football team is Fulham, okay, over here. Starker Club, as you might call them. And you've probably already seen this footage of uh, Sky Sports, which is our prominent sort of sports... Uh, broadcasting company um it's just just annihilating him because he's on twitter telling fans all about the you know the backstage business of the club now this is a real sport not wrestling they he's, he's a complete and utter ass tony khan you know he, he he looks like the little nerd that you would have slapped around at school he as a grown man he looks like a fucking accountant hey what the fuck is wrong with you Orange Cassidy is the next challenger again. Fuck off. What a waste of my time. Push someone who deserves it. It's it's ridiculous. And then we get... Right, this is something I have to get into. Uh, I think you saw the image because I put it in the WrestlePlug group chat. Um, at the end of the FTR match, right, the Young Bucks super kicked the camera and that's fucking retarded. I don't give a shit. And then, to top things off, there is a graphic on the screen of FTR dressed as weenies. Sausages, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Frankfurters, right? And I saw loads of people quantifying it and excusing underneath going, oh, well, you know, it's still better than what WWE is doing. Really? Is this better than watching Santos Escobar versus Swerve, is it? Is this better than watching Kyle O'Reilly versus Finn Balor, is it? Is it? Is this better than Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns? Because if it is, you're a fucking retard. You need your fucking head checked if you think that's okay. 
what the fuck is wrong with you? You must have a mental disability to honestly sit there and tell me that this is okay. This is fucking shit. FTR, right, are arguably the most credible and exciting tag team of the modern era alongside, I would say, the Usos. And, you know, you could throw in a few other tag teams that are kind of just sitting behind them, like Proud and Powerful, for instance, and the Lucha Brothers. But this tag team division is stacked. And at the top of it, you've got FTR. That's great. Uh, I think um, I think Tully Blanchard has been incredible as their mouthpiece. I think he's been great. And they've spoken pretty well. They're having great matches. And this comes off right at the back of, as you know, I'm a mad mark for Angelico and Jack Evans. I know Angelico. I love him dearly. I consider him to be a loose acquaintance slash friend. I am a huge mark for Angelico and Jack Evans. I think they're fucking incredible. And I know Jack Evans can be a bit botchy at times, but you can't deny his incredible athleticism and his outrageous charisma when he's afforded the opportunity to speak, that is. They went out there and had what I would say was FTR's best match. I'm sorry, but I thought this match was so much better than their match with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. I did. I thought this was much more fluid, much more exciting. I thought Angelico was amazing in this match. Honestly, anyone who's listening, please go back and watch this and please understand why I keep banging on about Angelico because his performance in this match was astonishing and it was helped by the fact that FTR were willing to help, help, you know, work with them and elevate them. So you get all of that and then what you get is the F, the the young bucks being you know full blown twats? Nobody cares. You're giving shit. You are shit heels. You look ridiculous. By the way, if either of the young bucks started on me in the street, I'd batter them to shit. You know why? Because they're a fucking joke. They're a couple of Californian douchebags. And when I hear people say, "Oh, probably the greatest tag team of all time," you must seriously. You need your fucking. You need a cat scan. Or you just need to I, I throw need, it in an ocean. Just, no. I need them to drink bleach is, is what I need if they Go call the Young yourself. Bucks the best tag team in the fucking, like, the world ever. No. Kill yourself. They're not even top five in their own company. It's embarrassing. And I will fucking argue. Come on this podcast if you like it. I will argue and debate that with you until the cows come home. Because I clearly know better than you. Not often do I just say outright that my opinions or what I think is factual is correct. But when it comes to that, fight me. Absolutely. No way are the Young Bucks fucking close to a plethora of world-class tag teams in this world. They're a joke. I'm sick and tired of them. And it's a boys club where they seem to be obsessed with the idea of them being over even when they're not on the screen. It's fucking irritating. Get off my screen. Make more prominence of guys like Proud and Powerful and Lucha Brothers and even Butcher and Blade, who I actually think have got a really good upside as well. You know, guys who are working every week and putting it in. You know, get fucking people like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega away from the fucking storytelling and creative because you really could have something special there. But otherwise, shut the fuck up. I'm bored of you. And this is the pinnacle of stupidity. Huh, the FTR. Look, we made a graphic of them looking like sausages. And then Chuck Taylor, who... I'm starting to really hate. I used to defend Chuck Taylor a lot, right? When Nick was on this podcast, he he hates Chuck Taylor, right? And I used to say, Chuck Taylor's fine. He's all right. One thing I've realized, Chuck Taylor was fine when he was on the Indies. This is a huge, prominent wrestling program that is being aired on a huge network to potentially millions of people, even though they had a drop in viewership again. And I'm not surprised, frankly, after this garbage. The potential for viewership could be massive. And you've got, <laughs> we're grown men, and we dressed you up as hot dogs. <laughs> what in fuck's name? I have two little sisters, right? One of them is 13. If I showed her this, she'd be like, what the fuck is this shit? Because it's fucking embarrassing. Nobody should find that entertaining. If you think 
Seeing FTR in a dumb graphic like that, dressed as hot dogs, is funny and entertaining and worth being on this program. Then you need to literally go and find the nearest mirror, take a long look at yourself, and then smash your head as hard as you can into said mirror. Because it will save me the fucking pleasure of leveling you myself. Because only a fucking moron can think that is entertaining. That is hot garbage of the highest order. And it just, once again, highlights the issues with this tag team division. What the hell are you doing? You've got proud and powerful swanning around, right? Being Jericho's lackeys, doing literally jack shit after that amazing streak. I like the best friends as wrestlers as well. But they're coming out, and the highlight of their rivalry is, you're weenies, really. Weenies. Your cunts are what you are. You're a cunt, Chuck Taylor. Hope you hear this, mate. What a cunt. Weenies. You Weenies. I'll kill you. <laughs> I will kill you. What a shit insult. Go fuck yourself. Can you imagine? I'm not one of these people who believes that we should stay in the old ages and things, but can you imagine being Brian Pillman or Owen Hart or Ric Flair or anything like that? You imagine what they would have done to a geezer, especially a skinny little runt like him, who apparently, according to him, actually modelled his whole career after Chris Jericho. And I'd just like to say you have failed miserably on that fucking front, mate. But can you imagine if he strolled up to someone in the old era or any one of prominence, even now with Drew McIntyre, someone said, you're a weenie. You fucking ass handed to you, mate. You certainly wouldn't be in wrestling. This is where they need to trim the fire. Yeah, he probably would die. And frankly, he probably deserved to die. Weenie. Who fucking uses that word as an insult? It doesn't even say wiener. At least wiener would have been somewhat acceptable. Only because obviously my boy PJ Jones gets called wiener. And of course, I'm going to pop for that. But even that knows its place. It's not like it's on WWE. It's on the British wrestling scene. Yeah, fucking hell. You are an embarrassment. And do you know what really pisses me off about this is I think that Trent genuinely could be a huge megastar. He looks incredible. He's a very handsome man. He's got an amazing body. He's a world-class worker. And he's walking around with a 150-pound sack of shit attached to his fucking umbilical cord. What the living crap are you doing, bruv? Shift off fuck Taylor. Nobody cares. Weenies, that's the final straw for me. Chuck Taylor, you are officially fucking dead to me, mate. And by the way, you are shit on the mic as well. Can't talk to save his fucking life. Cannot talk to save his life. He's just like, hey, you guys. Fucking weenies. And of course... I love Excalibur, but he's on commentary. He's good mates with the guys because obviously he worked at PWG and helped form, form PWG with a lot of them. And he's sitting there going, oh, you got to give the people what they want. What the people want is a little bit of fucking maturity. What the people want is a little bit of real entertainment, not some 150 pound chemo ridden sack of shit like Chuck Taylor walking around on my screen using the term weenies as an insult. We want some fucking real wrestling and real entertainment, bruv. Also, can we fucking change the commentary team? Because they don't even take it seriously. They're shitting on their own product. JR and Tony Schiavone at this point don't give a fuck, okay? Get Taz, Jericho, and Excalibur on commentary full-time. They're clearly the best at it. Sorry, JR is done. He is a legend. He is an all-time great. I am listening to his audiobook as we speak. I'm currently paused on, I think it's about, we're about two thirds away through now. It's an incredible read. JR is an incredible human being. I would never deny him that. But he clearly is well past it. He clearly doesn't care. He's shitting on the product. He's fucking, he's misgendering people like Sonny Kiss. He's laughing at half the product because he can't take it seriously. Take him off TV. 
during the TNT title match this week, I, you probably saw this as a tweet. I cannot believe this. During that TNT dog collar match, they actually said, him and Tony Schiavone, they actually said, this is, the TNT title is not worth going for all of this. The t- they said, yeah, the no, so, so, yeah, say, say that one more time just to make sure they, I heard they that literally right. said, and I quote, during this match when they were murdering each other, I think it was right after the package power driver, which admittedly was pretty sick for the table. They said, it cannot be worth this to be the TNT champion. You sh- literally said the belt means shit. That's what you said. You said on TV, oh, this belt doesn't mean jack shit. But I can understand. Every now and then, you make some stupid faux pas because you're an old cretin or a perv about Anna Jay. It's not acceptable, but it is what it is. And you apologize for it, so we move on. But really? You're going to sit there and tell me on TV as an audience member, as a participating member of your product, and I pay to watch AEW every week. I do. I pay, admittedly, only about 4 or $5 a month to watch it on Fight TV. Um, but fuck me. You're telling me as a paying customer, oh, this title doesn't mean nearly as much as it should do, or it's just not worth it. You fucking twat. You massive, colossal, colostomy-bagged, shit, gherkin-fingering anal bag. What in fuck's name do you think you're doing telling me that the TNT title is not worth its soul in comparison to the violence that is under... Can you imagine if during... Royal Rumble 2000, let me take you back, Carl Wilkinson. Triple H and Cactus Jack are murdering each other. Can you imagine if JR came out and said, well, I mean, this match is really good, but um, you know what? While I was doing DDP yoga, I realized that the WWF title ain't worth shit. <laughs> what the f- Get the fuck off my screen. I am so comically infuriated doesn't cover it. I'm hysterical with rage. <laughs> I have been saying this since JR started doing American sideshows for New Japan. He should just call it a career. He is undoubtedly a legend. He is undoubtedly one of, if not the best to ever do it. You know, all respect to the brain. But I feel with every single new broadcast that he does, he tarnishes his own legacy. I think it's the same way with uh, when Undertaker kept coming back, just, you know, Fucking day after, or you know, day after day, year after year, I always thought he was tarnishing his own legacy. And Jr. sounds like he mixes up people's names. He can't say anything. He he doesn't understand the world in 2020. I understand he went through some trauma. I understand his wife passed away, and that's horrible. And I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But bro, just. Call it a career. You have nothing left to prove here. Just go home. He doesn't want to go home, does he? He can tell that. He's scared to go home. But you've got you've got a highly successful podcast, mate. You've got friends. People are going to talk to you. It's not like you're going to sit at home and do nothing. There's so many things you could do. You're apparently getting fit. That's great. You're an amazing human being, JR. No question. I beg of you, please call it a day, mate. Because you are making an ass of yourself and you don't even have to. You don't. You don't. You really don't owe the wrestling world anything. If, at this point, if anyone is owed something for the wrestling world, it is him. You know, two weeks removed, not even that, I think, from when his wife passed away. He tips up at WrestleMania 33, doesn't he, and commentates the main event, Roman Reigns versus The Undertaker. And you just think, 
Why? Why? That should have been it. That should have been it for me. He should have just said after that, right, that's cool. I'm done now. But no. You know, he's, he's got to keep going. You know, and I get it. It's hard to walk away from things. But you've got a podcast. You've just released an incredible book. And I can attest to it. It's fucking amazing. I highly suggest everybody reads JR's latest book. It's absolutely amazing. It will give you such an insight into his time in WWE and the way that things work in wrestling. It really will. You know, for better or for worse, it's an astonishing read. And he is a masterful human being. He has so much to learn. At least just go backstage and be an agent or a talent agent or, you know, talk to these guys, try and make them better individuals, more well-rounded. But for fuck's sake, your commentary is dog shit now. And I don't mind saying that. I love JR. He is the voice of my childhood. Without JR, I would never have loved WWF the same way. But this is fucking terrible, man. This is really bad. And it's exacerbated by Tony Schiavone wandering around. By the way, why is Tony Schiavone dressed like an 80-year-old man who still thinks he's 40 playing golf? Why is he wearing this... Like, you look stupid, mate. He looks like he's cosplaying as one of the golfers from the Masters. And I cannot believe me at 35 is making that comparison. But he looks ridiculous. And half the time, he's not even wearing trousers. He's wearing slacks and trainers. You look fucking terrible, mate. Either go to whole hog or just turn up dressed like Orange Cassidy and be done with it. Tony Schiavone adds nothing to commentary as well. He's a shockingly boring backstage interviewer. You know, this is a guy who openly said multiple times, I don't give a shit about wrestling anymore. He left wrestling and went and worked in Starbucks, for fuck's sake. He obviously don't care that much. He has, you can tell he hasn't watched it for 20 years. He's got no clue what's going on. He's just popping because he's sat next to JR. Then you've got Excalibur, who is an amazing play-by-play guy. But he is sitting there trying to pop these two old men because they're the icons of his childhood, aren't they? And you can tell that by the way he speaks. He's like, what do you think about this, JR? And when he does say something fairly credible, they shit on it anyway and laugh at him. Because as far as they're concerned, He's some fucking goofy, nerdy tard in a mask. They don't give a shit about Excalibur. That's very evident. And then you've got Taz, who does color commentary, who's fucking amazing, by the way, at it. And he's genuinely one of the best mic workers in this whole fucking company, along with Eddie Kingston. And I watch AW Dark, right? And they have Taz and Excalibur on commentary. It's the best commentary in wrestling. It is. Seriously, I beg of you people, go out and watch AEW Dark. And even if you're not a huge fan of the product, watch and listen to the commentary. It's fucking phenomenal. Ed Ricky Starks is one of our guest commentators. He was hilarious. Change the commentary team. Freshen it up. Tony Khan, right? You need to stop taking fucking hand jobs off of the old fucking people backstage, bruv. You need to stop sucking off all your fucking icons from years back and realize that this is a goddamn business and you're making a fucking mockery of so many things. And what it does is it drowns out the incredible voices that are available. Mate, you got Eddie Kingston in your company who I would hesitate, not hesitate, excuse me to say is probably the best mic worker in the world. He's definitely up there because he's fucking real, man. Eddie Kingston is my kind of wrestler. They'll fuck you up. He will legitimately fuck you up. He is a bad motherfucker, Eddie Kingston. And he is my kind of guy. I love seeing Eddie Kingston, man, because he's real. His match with John Moxley was the best Moxley's ever had. Funny that. Funny how you put Moxley in a ring with someone who's genuinely serious, who can genuinely fuck shit up, and all of a sudden he's fucking great. Isn't that weird? Isn't that strange? Lance Archer. Such an oddity. What is happening? 
Lance Archer, very exciting. Brian Cage could have potential. Uh, I like Will Hobbs. I think that's a great pickup. I actually really like Will Hobbs. His match with Brian Cage this week was great. I think it uh, it did everyone a good service. And that started off AEW Dynamite. And I was genuinely thought, this is going to be a banger because that was a great match. Brian Cage got a win because he needed it. Will Hobbs still looked really good coming out of it. Taz even put him over on the mic asking if he wanted to join, you know, the Taz, Team Taz, which mm, not a big fan of that name, but I understand. Until Darby Allen comes down to make the save. Great. Great stuff. I thought, cool. This is fucking good. And then they start doing this dumb shit. <laughs> oh, and by the way, do you like women's wrestling? Because Hikaru Shida wasn't on the fucking show, even though she's the champion. We had Big Swole See, versus Serena Deep. Big Swole versus Serena Deep. Right. I like both these women. I think Serena Deep's fucking fantastic, particularly for somebody who's been in the business as long as she had. Some of you might remember her as the individual who's part of the Australian Society with CM Punk. Um, She's awesome. And by the way, really hot with short hair. <laughs> Don't know why. Really digging that young lady. But this was fine. Where's the fucking champion? Where is she? <laughs> she's not there again. And if when she is there, invariably, she's sat at fucking ringside watching things intently, trying desperately to look like she gives a shit, when ultimately she's being told, yeah, you're our champion, but we're not really that bothered about you. What? Fuck off. If you're not going to have, right, that much women's wrestling on Dynamite, okay, if you put three or four women's matches on AEW Dark, then I would kind of forgive it because i say, well, okay, well, at least you're giving them much more time to flex over there. But you're not. They get one women's match over there if they're lucky half the time. The women that you do have, frankly, aren't good enough. I'm sorry to say this, but they're not. They're not even close to... Hell, they're not even fucking close to what? I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm, they're not close to NXT. We know that. They're the best. Uh, they're not close to Impact, who are very close behind NXT in some ways. Um, but I think NXT definitely pips them. They're not close to any of the independent women's divisions. You know, they're just, they're, they're bottom of the barrel this women's division. And that's a shame because Nyla Rose is fucking fantastic. I love her. I think she's brilliant. I love Hikaru Shida. She's a great worker. Could do with a bit more character work, but overall, a very credible and exciting champion. Penelope Ford, oh my days. What in fuck's name is she doing? Oh, that's right. She's at ringside with Kip and fucking Miro. By the way, Rusev, right? Miro, one of the most legitimate and badass heels and hosses this world has ever seen. Do you know what he was doing on Dynamite this week? Playing on a video game cabinet that was at ringside with Kip Sabian. What the fuck are you doing with your time? And if he's injured, fine. Then have him come out and say, I'm injured. But when I get back in the ring, I'm going to fuck all your shit up. I actually know I'm gearing up for a bachelor's party with Kip Sabian. That's what we're doing with what could arguably be one of the greatest hosses of this generation. It beggars belief that people have the nerve to say that, you know, oh, I'm I, this hashtag. I'm with AEW. Good for you. You support shit, do you? You support terrible booking decisions. Don't fucking. These are the kind of people, right? who sit there, eat shit in front of you, and then smile about it because they don't know any different. Because they're thick as shit. I'm sorry, but you have to be really stupid to think that this is a high-quality product. There are some fantastic things about it, no doubt. But they are completely dwarfed right now by a massive amount of stupid errors that make it, frankly, 
pretty poor to watch and you're fucking lucky that i don't have the opportunity to watch nxt live because it's on usa network i believe it's not on the network anymore because if it was there is no doubt you wouldn't be getting my five dollars a month and frankly the more i keep saying that the more i think what the fuck am i doing with that five dollars a month (laughs) for the same price you can get disney plus and that's a downside better than this and probably less childlike and that's a little bit alarming to say I am beyond pissed off with what AEW is doing. Um, and even the main event, Chris Jericho and Jake Hager versus Luther and Serpentico. You had a dog collar. Now, I get it. It's Chris Jericho's main event, and I have no problem with that being the main event. But from a business standpoint, you can't tell me that that's a good idea. Having that as the main event over Cody versus Brody Lee for the TNT Championship, or having John Moxley come out and defend the title. And instead, you have MJF come down, give Chris Jericho a shit picture, which he breaks over the head of a clown, who he then gives the world's most violent Judas to I've ever seen. And that was the end of your show, everyone celebrating Chris Jericho as he had a glass of champagne. What? You could even do better by Chris Jericho. Never mind anybody else. You could have done a lot better. I get it. Do you know what? I would have rather they just had a singles match. Him and Luther fuck each other up for 20 minutes, make each other bleed. At the end of the match, he says... It's been a fucking pleasure, Chris. Gives him a handshake and a hug. And then everyone comes out and celebrates his career. That would have been much better. But no, they've got to fucking do dumb shit as well. Um, By the way, Serpentico, don't give a shit. Luther, don't give a shit. Luther, I've said this. He looks like some geezer who goes shopping in your local supermarket at two in the morning for Jaff Cakes. He looks very suspect. And I'm sure he's a tough guy. And I'm sure he beat the shit out of me. But frankly, he looks fucking garbage on this product. And walking around with bloody shorts on and that. Nah, man. It's not working for me. I'm frustrated, mate. I really am. I feel that AEW, for all the things that they do well, they, you know, they insist on doing shit as well. They really do. And it, fuck it, it's infuriating, mate. It really is. What What do you have to add, mate, if anything, and um, before we quickly wrap up what's left of the State of Wrestling address? I mean, I, I would just say I share your frustration and anger, but there there seems to be a little more anguish in your voice just because you want to love this product so much. You were at the first show, like you flew across the ocean for that. And for them to be just providing this sort of garbage, I think it's just breaking your heart. It is a little bit. I do like, don't get me wrong. Going to Washington was one of the greatest experiences of my life. And seeing the first ever Dynamite was incredible. And hopefully 10 years' time, when it's still going strong, which I hope it will be, you know, I'll be able to say, I was at the first ever Dynamite. It cools out, man. Still got my T-shirt, my Washington-based, uh, this is the worst town I've ever been in T-shirt. You know, it was cool. It was an incredible experience. But I can't help but feel like I'm being slapped in the face a little bit with some of this stuff. And I know wrestling's subjective. And I know it's not for everyone, but the ratings keep dropping. Every time they take one step forward, they get good reigns, they take two steps back, and they drop again. And they beat NXT, but that doesn't mean much. And by the way, you know, it's presidential time, it's election time, so you're just not going to get that much of a fucking rating anyway, because, surprise, that country is in massive disarray and is looking forward to seeing what is going to happen next. It's disappointing, because all wrestling should be good. And you know what? I, I sit here and I wonder why I keep neglecting or forgetting to watch impact every week and yet i'm still putting myself through this because impact deserves a bit of love man you know and if it was on a mainstream format people would treat it like that but because it's on a smaller network that people don't care about people don't give a shit but that shouldn't neglect the fact that it is actually a very good show for the most part 
and I feel like my time would probably be better invested in that. I will continue to watch AEW. There are things that I do like about it, but I'm not going to stop. Ten- and ultimately, a lot of that is for the podcast as well. I do watch a lot of this stuff because you guys are entertained by it. You know, it's lovely when Jerry sends me a message every time, says, love hearing you on the podcast, man. Love hearing you spit some venom at people and saying it how it is. I try my best. I really do. I try to entertain you motherfuckers out there, but it, it can be a real slog times sometimes it really can it can be a real slog and it frustrates me and i think honestly if i had the chance i would slap tony khan so fucking hard in the face he would not know what happened to him he really wouldn't um actually that's pretty much it from the state of wrestling address uh smackdown's tonight Helen the Cell was coming up as well, which we'll of course cover. If you are listening to this before midday on Saturday, which doesn't leave you a large amount of time, so basically if you're listening to this directly after I've recorded it, uh, you can still get 20% off of all of WrestlePlug's t-shirts at prowrestlingtees.com slash WrestlePlug by using the code FALL, F-A-L-L, FALL, until midday uh, tomorrow, essentially. So um, you still got a little bit of time if you are listening to this before that. Uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash WrestlePlug. Not only will you get it at a cheap price anyway, but also uh, I'll be giving away a free piece of art as well. So basically you'll be getting a t-shirt with 20% off and a free piece of art. So do it now or forever hold your peace. And don't come crying to me that you have to pay full price for it later down the line when we're a global success. Uh, Carl Wilkinson, thank you very much for joining me for the State of Wrestling Address. Pleasure as always, buddy. And guys, remember, we are recording on Friday, so tonight is the first night of the WWE Draft. Who's going to go where? Does anyone care? Probably not. But, you know, it's there. Wah, wah. I used to care about drafts. I used to think they were quite cool originally, but they've had way too many of them. Way, way too many of them. Um, yeah, I'm not really that bothered. And to be honest, I'd take it more seriously if it wasn't for the fact that these guys seem to turn up on whatever shot they like anyway. So I don't see the fucking point, frankly. But we will be covering it. If you guys are watching it, if you've got any opinions, please do not hesitate to chip in and get involved because, you know, we're happy to hear what you guys have to say at WrestlePlug on social media, WrestlePlug at gmail.com and WrestlePlug.com. Of course, you can catch Carl Wilkinson at xcar under slash Wilkinson on Instagram and Twitter. You can catch me, Aaron Nix Design at Aaronix Design on Facebook and Twitter. Don't have an Instagram anymore. Not going to go into it. Fuck Mark Zuckerberg. If you want to fight me, Mark, I'm still available. Um, but for now, that's pretty much it from the State of Wrestling Dress. We'll catch you very soon for more content from the WrestlePlug.